Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Existential Bread. This is a show where we talk about different philosophies and how they connect to our lives and existence, hence the existential part. Also, we have a segment on the show where we try a new bread every episode, and that's where the bread part comes in. Um, a little bit about myself. My name is Rafed. I'm 19 years old. I just finished my first year of college. It's currently summer for me. And I've always been interested in philosophy and life, obviously, because I'm living it. And I also love bread. So I thought creating this show slash podcast was a good idea. And I also love making videos. I think I'm going to be your host from here on out. So let's get into it. Also, I mean... This show isn't only going to be about, um, I guess, focusing on philosophies. It's not supposed to be a like a educational type thing, um, not strictly. I mean, I hope you, whoever's listening, does learn something from it because that is the point, to give you something to walk away with and to think about. Um, but it it's not 100% necessary for it to be that way. You know, sometimes we could talk about... Um, really random topics that involve our lives currently, our existence, because that's still existential by definition. Um, okay, so let's get into it. For our first episode, I thought, we, I, I thought we'd start off by taking a look at pragmatism, because it seems to relate to the way our society is currently structured, and I personally think it relates to my own life as well. And I definitely agree with pragmatism, at least some parts of it, you know. So let's go into what pragmatism is. Um, pragmatism is an American philosophy, and it was developed in the late 19th and early 20th century. And it's derived from the teachings of this guy named Charles Sanders Pierce. Oh, fuck, you know what I just realized? I don't have my uh, pop filter in front of me. I have one. It's just not set up. Okay, give me a second. Sorry about that. We're back. So, um, <clears throat> Jesus, my throat. So, um, pragmatism, as, as I said before, it's an American philosophy, and it was developed in the late 19th and early 20th century, and it's derived from the teachings of this guy named Charles Sanders Peirce. And what he believed was that thought must produce action instead of floating around in our minds and stopping us from acting at all. So thoughts shouldn't be limiting us. It shouldn't be making us indecisive. Instead, thoughts should make us act. And they, they usually do, but I think nowadays, um, as humans, we, we think too much about things that aren't as complicated as we believe them to be. Um, and according to OregonState.edu, I'm quoting this, only those things that are experienced or observed or real are real. And focus should be on the reality of experience. Pragmatists believe that reality is constantly changing and that we learn best through applying our experiences and thoughts to problems as they arise. The universe is dynamic and evolving, a becoming view of the world. There is no absolute and unchanging truth, but rather, truth is what works. So that that's fucking awesome. Like I'm that is awesome as hell. Fuck. I fucking love this shit. Anyway, in essence, they're saying that what works is what the truth currently is. 
So they mentioned that the universe, the world, is constantly changing. It's adapting. So the truth will change with it because what's practical is what we should believe in. That's sort of the main argument of pragmatism. Um, that's what I got from my class when I took this a while ago. And also, this is what I'm getting from every source that I've browsed before I, I wrote the script, sort of. Um, now, this seems, pragmatism seems similar to utilitarianism at first glance, but I think they're a little different, and I think we should differentiate them um, slightly. So, utilitarianism, just based off of a simple Google search, it's defined as the doctrine that actions are right if they are useful or for the benefit of a majority. Or, another definition is, the doctrine that an action is right insofar as it promotes happiness and that the greatest happiness of the greatest number should be the guiding principle of conduct. So, they come off as very similar, pragmatism and utilitarianism. But when I was learning this stuff, my professor made some small distinctions that I think we should identify just so that we don't automatically clump them together. Um, <clears throat> some pragmatists, they may apply the philosophy to focus on what's good for the whole or what's good for the benefit of society, while other pragmatists may simply focus on the idea of, oh, what is going to work in order to solve problems? And what works or what's practical, that in itself is a really loose term. So problems, what works to solve problems, these problems could start on an individual scale, or they can simply be problems that society or the world is even facing. Utilitarianism is similar because it's focusing on solving problems, again, very general loose term, but the reason we can distinguish it from pragmatism is because it seems to focus on the happiness of the whole and the benefit of the majority. Pragmatism draws parallels to utilitarianism because they both focus and examine what works or what benefits something or someone. But the thing is, I think pragmatism's main distinction is that it isn't necessary to focus on the good of the whole and that the philosophy can simply be applied to one person's problems while utilitarianism's guiding principle of conduct, I'm quoting that, is that an action is correct if it produces the greatest happiness of the greatest number of people, just like the definition that we saw earlier. Even though this seems pretty obvious that, you know, you don't, pragmatism doesn't need to be about the benefit of the whole, I think it's pretty cool to see that most pragmatists have actually tried employing the philosophy in order to do more good for society. So I think even though something that works doesn't have to benefit the whole in order to qualify as being pragmatic, it seems like most philosophers point to that outcome, that they use their philosophies and their messages to explain how we can make the world better. Um, for example... There's one pragmatist that I really like who does this sort of thing. So you don't have to try saving the world in order to be a pragmatist. You can just say, oh, you, are there problems in your individual life? This is how you can fix them. But I mean, that can also be twi twisted as being utilitarianist because you're 
giving this message out to the world and each individual can use that same message to solve problems in their own life. Therefore, it's benefiting a society because if everyone's doing better, that means a large majority has benefited. Um, And one pragmatist that I really like who focuses on the good of the whole is Richard Rorty. And he is a goddamn badass. And you'll see what I mean when I explain a little bit about um, his messages and I think what he believes. So, oh, by the way, any sources or any quotes that I'm, uh, any quotes that I'm getting from sources, I mean, they will be in the description just so that you can take a look at them yourself. Um, yeah, so let's keep going. Um, Rorty, Richard Rorty, he wrote Philosophy and Social Hope in 1999. And in it, he, and I'm quoting from a website that focuses on this book, he advises that it is better to focus on whether one has been imaginative enough to develop interesting alternatives to one's present beliefs. Rorty sees his new pragmatism as the legitimate next step in completing the Enlightenment project of demystifying human life by ridding, by ridding humanity of the constricting anti-theological metaphors of past traditions, and thereby replacing the power relations of control and subjugation inherent in these metaphors with descriptions of relations based on tolerance and freedom. So basically, Rorty's explaining that we should take the old descriptions set up by our ancestors and redescribe them so that they help us live our lives better in our current society. This is pretty goddamn awesome, like the message itself. So, he explains you you have to rid humanity of the constricting anti-theological metaphors, or like sort of religious metaphors. And I don't think that's him saying he hates religion. I think that's him saying, oh, we're replacing the power relations of control and subjugation in these metaphors with descriptions of relations based on tolerance and freedom. So that's that's the, the whole explanation of what he wants. And I think what that means is our old societies, or our society in its old days, that's a better way to phrase it, it was racist, it was sexist, it still is racist and sexist on, level, on different levels. Um, but back then it was more explicitly racist and sexist. Uh... They had descriptions back then. And these descriptions, I guess, another way to define it would be one way to look at the world. And in the context, we're looking at the word descriptions as one way to look at the the world, or one way to describe something. Back then, it was described that certain minority minorities were, you know, less valuable. Um, that's why slavery occurred. That's why, I mean... I don't even have to say more. It just makes sense. Like, I'm sure you, you understand. Um, that's why women were seen as less than, you know, they, they weren't given the same opportunities um, as men. They were seen as weaker, not as intelligent, not able to fulfill the same job or position when in fact they definitely could. Those were old descriptions. They were set up by our ancestors. They were existing in our old society. So, Rorty, he tells people, okay, have you used your imagination enough to redescribe the world? Are you, are you sort of 
self-reflecting and looking at whether your descriptions or your points of view about the world are accurate or they're practical? Are they good? Are they doing good for the world? And once you take a look at your own points of view and you redescribe them or you, you, you give, you open your mind to the idea that you could be, there's change. Like it's possible for you to change the way that you think always, there's always room for change. Um, and I think Rorty focuses on that. He's explaining that you could reimagine your current descriptions to be better. Like that, that is a possibility. So don't always walk around with the assumption that you are completely right. And I think that's healthy on some level because if we walk around thinking that our points of view are always correct, we never can change. And that is definitely a barrier because back then, all those people who were racist and sexist, they still exist today. There's no room for them to get over those old descriptions if they believe that they're completely correct. Because if they don't open their mind and, and you know, give way to the idea that there could be a better way of looking at the world, they wouldn't be able to overcome racism and sexism. And I'm sure many past racists and sexists have gotten over that and become more progressive and and given up their old ways, I hope. I'm sure that it's happened. It has to have happened. But, you know, with the majority of racists and sexists, I doubt that it's as easy because it's so grounded into their mindsets. But anyway, I think pragmatism and using Rorty's um, sub-philosophy, I guess, if we want to call it, that's so, it's so healthy. Like, it's so progressive for the world because we're taking all these old crappy views of the world and we're basically changing them so that they better fit society today. So most people are not racist. So to, like we, we most everyone has prejudice, but racism and prejudice, they they're not exactly the same thing. They coincide. Definitely. Um, being prejudiced can lead to being racist. And if you're racist, I think it implies that you could you most likely have prejudice. Um, but, God damn it, I lost my train of thought. I keep doing that shit. Point is, we're using descriptions and redescriptions and our own imaginations and language to redescribe the world, which I've said a million times, to be better. And that's the important part. It's Nothing is set in stone. It's simply a point of view. So there has to be different alternatives to our present beliefs. That's what's freaking awesome, man. Like nothing is set in stone and that's great because we can it's up to us to redescribe things. It's up to us to use our imagination or whatever and and make things more progressive for society. That's what's great about pragmatism because what's practical is what the truth is. What's practical is what works. And that's great. It is. We can really apply this to anything, um, to any field of study in, in education, you could apply it to. So if, if you're, um, I don't know, uh, if you're in engineering, like you're doing some type of engineering work, 
there's there are constantly new innovations that come out there there are in any science field too i'm sure that when they they try to i guess improve the theories that they already have you know by doing more experiments more hypotheses are being <clears throat> tested and the point of that is to see i mean how how can we become more accurate how can we evolve our current theories or descriptions in order to benefit society more um that is what society that is what science and and engineering and different educational fields are doing they want to sharpen what they have the knowledge they have in order to do more good that's why we're constantly researching ways to cure different illnesses that are that have been incurable um it, it, it applies everywhere and it applies in our in our social relations too so racism and sexism do no good for the world as we were saying earlier like there's no reason no objective reason to say that one color of people is is less valuable than another because it what good does that do it just creates separation the society isn't focusing on how to save the world anymore it's focusing on oh they're less than me because they were born that way so let me give them less rights let me make sure that we're segregated in some way and that's stupid obviously so redescribing that and making it so that society is more progressive and that we all band together in a way and focus on things that can actually benefit the world that in itself is way 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 better and the point of it all is that we're looking at what's practical we're we're constantly adapting our points of view so that the world can function better as a whole um and i think that's why pragmatism and utilitarianism are both really healthy and fucking awesome um i think that's pretty much it i mean we went over it you obviously can do more research the point isn't to isn't to just to say like oh i'm going to educate the shit out of you but rather give you like a little intro on what it is so that it's something to think about you know like i think <clears throat> let's say this goes on to become you know a weekly series which i'm hoping it will be i'm going to try to do that definitely let me clear my throat too sorry <clears throat> jesus christ let's say someone tunes in every week and they they didn't really study philosophy deeply or something um you know they'll get a brief idea of what different philosophies are and like what what you can take away from it that is healthy and you know the next time they come across a problem in their life they can think of it through the scope of a philosophy they know about uh and i think that's awesome to have you know that knowledge just to have a basic idea of what philosophies believe in different philosophies preach it's really healthy because i mean at the root of it every every moral decision we make every um objective observation that we think we have i think all of it can be traced back to philosophy and i think a lot of times too um a lot of philosophy coincides with science so scientists have philosophies that they go by and educational institutes that go by different philosophies there's a moral philosophy that we generally follow i guess um like i know that when we're trying to declare war like if 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 the the country's deciding whether to declare war or not we use the um 
I freaking forgot what the hell it's called. It's basically this this six or seven conditions as to when war can be moral. And we use that as a guideline for whether we should go to war. It's like probability of success and, and what the casualties will be and stuff. I'm probably messing up a lot of it, but I know that exists. Forgot about it because I learned it a while ago. But yeah, that's my point. Philosophy can be applied anywhere. And I, I think everyone should know more about it. Um, but yeah, that does not mean that this show is going to be you know, a history lesson or something. Um, it's just something to think about. And I think that's fun. Also, I'm probably going to end up talking about something, some current event that's going on connected to a philosophy. Um, yeah. So now it's time for the bread segment. It's time for some existential bread, you know, the best it's yummy. So, um, today I have a piece of toast next to me and the type of bread that we're trying is uh, called diabetic bread. It's that's literally the brand and the type of bread. So the brand on the bag said the diabetic bread, and then under it the kind of bread just said diabetic bread. So I guess these guys only make diabetic bread because that is their name. Um, I'll take a piece. Let's uh, let's do a crust test. You know that's always important because. Bread has the crust and the the soft, squishy stuff, which is I like more. But you know, the crust matters. Crust matters. Okay. Okay. Well, that's dry, as bread should be. So that's good. Mm. <clears throat> okay. All right. And I'm gonna go for the the middle dough, the not crust part. <clears throat> okay, one more bite. Okay. So I mean, it tastes pretty standard, like it's it's toast, you know. Uh, it, it looks like wheat bread. I'm sure it's made with wheat instead of, it's not like white bread. Uh, it's good, my, it's good. Um, it's, it's not, it's, it's enjoyable, like it's good. Um, it tastes different from normal wheat or white bread too, because I guess because it's diabetic, obviously there's less, sugar in it um i don't know if that means there's less glucose or whatever the fuck but uh it doesn't have like a sweet aftertaste because you know when you eat bread it's it's not like sweet sweet but it has that like it's it's sort of sweet when you eat it this doesn't have that it's it's more um it's you can taste like the the grain i don't know how to explain it like i'm not like some bread reviewer well now i am technically because i'm reviewing bread but you know what i mean um I'm gonna give this, I'll give this, uh, three out of five Richard Rorty's. I think that's pretty good. It's decent bread. Like you, it's definitely edible. Um, it's enjoyable. Would you, would, do I recommend eating it by itself? No, don't do that because it's just plain bread. Um, 
It's not like that French bread you get at the restaurants that's like, oh, God, fuck. That stuff's so good. It's not that, but it's good. And also, this was refrigerated, which is why it's probably not the best um, quality or, like, texture that it would be. So, yeah, three out of five Richard Rorty's for this diabetic bread, diabetic wheat-looking bread. Thank you for watching the first episode of... How I Met Your... No, sorry. Uh, existential Bread. I don't know why that popped into my head. <clears throat> Seriously, don't no, have no idea. Um, thank you. I hope it was interesting. And I hope I didn't go off course too much. Like, I have a little script sort of thing so that I know what to talk about instead of just going off course. But I think I did go off course a little bit. Like, when I, I would go on little tangents. Um, but... Otherwise, I think that it was a pretty productive episode. So, thank you for watching and stuff. Um, tune in to the next episode whenever it comes out. I don't know when it will. Probably very soon. I like doing these things. They're fun. Um, it took me a while to write the script because I was partially lazy and partially uploading vlogs, too. Um, I'm way behind on editing and uploading those vlogs, too. But anyway... There's going to be another episode out soon. I'm probably going to have guests on the show too. So thank you, whoever's watching this or listening to it, I guess. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you again. And enjoy some bread. And I hope that today's episode of Existential Bread makes you feel feel more existential and makes you um, go out and try some bread because that is a, that is the name of the show. All right, tune in next time. We'll see you soon.